Privateer Heroes. This is the outside gate with Steve Hall on the L4 Media Network. We're talking US moto and anywhere the conversation goes. With us today is the 600, Connor Olsen. Uh, you may know um, Connor from, uh, his, um, from his racing. You may know him from being a Fox guy. If you are uh, any sort of a fan of the sport, you definitely know him for his cameos on the Weed Show. If you don't know what the Weed Show is, then I don't know why you listen to me, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, how are you, man? Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Uh, doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, good, man. Good, good, good. It's been a... Um, actually been a hellish couple of days for me where i've been um the aussie summer's kicked in and um we uh our well we're getting a new had a new air conditioner fitted and to save save money i did all the the new ducting myself so i've been crawling around in the roof in 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 summertime without you know so but it was good uh, i'd say it was good man once it was up and running it was good to come inside and have feel how good that air conditioning was after being in the oh, yeah. day. So. yeah it's a california winter here and it's i'm wearing a sweatshirt and it's probably 60 outside still so yeah yeah cool the um i was actually thinking about that man you know like i've got a, a lot of u.s friends and stuff and and a lot of them, they're starting to talk about snow and snowmobiles and all that sort of thing. But I guess you guys sort of don't get that in get that in Cali. Um, you don't get that white Christmas, you know. Aussie kids always think, wow, about the white Christmas that you see. You know, we Aussie kids see a lot of um, US, all the, all the movies, everything's sort of US-based or Northern Hemisphere-based. And the white yeah. Christmas is a real wow thing, you know. Kid, um, Aussie kids... If they're lucky enough to go overseas as a young person, and that, that's a real wow thing to, to be in Christmas when it's snowing. So, yeah, whereas yeah, here it can it's get, filthy hot. It could get close here for sure. Like, um, it like barely snows where I live ever, but like maybe 500 feet up last year, like up the sides of the mountains right by the house, like it, it snowed. So it can definitely get close. But I yeah. grew up in Denver, so I'm used to a super cold snowy christmas all the time i lived there for 20 years so i typically go back for christmas every year so it's always i always get a cold snowy christmas for the most part yeah cool cool i did notice that i, I noticed that you're listed on um on uh the uh, the vault obviously i checked your results on the vault just have a look when you're coming on the show and um I noticed um, Denver, and I thought, oh, that made me a bit excited because I'm a big Broncos fan. So I don't know if you're a Broncos fan, but I'm tipping you probably oh, yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We better not spend an hour talking about football, even though I could. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to meet a Broncos fan, man. It's uh, I'm actually, you know, it's yeah. Certainly, we're both a lot happier than we were about six weeks ago. Anyway, hey, it's not looking yeah. too bad. Yeah. yeah, I haven't watched much football lately, but especially when. Uh, when I was living there, when Peyton Manning was on the team and like Wes Welker and Demarius Thomas and all those guys, like I, I watched a lot of football then. And then I kind of moved away and didn't really keep up with football all that much just in general. But yeah. 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 No, it's um, yeah, definitely something that I'm a big fan of um, the, uh, the American football, which is pretty odd for an Aussie, but I'm a, I'm a yeah. fan of a lot. Of, I'm a fan of a lot of things American, I guess, because uh, yeah. certainly a fan of the of the of the uh, moto scene over there. Um, so a little bit about you, man. I've just got some questions and and just some some um, 
basic sort of stuff. Um, I just wanted to touch on something that um, recent um, that I um, I noticed. Um, it was a very interesting thing that you posted about um, um, the adaptive riding day that you went to called uh, Moto Demption. Man, that looks yeah. pretty. That looks pretty awesome. Can you yeah, tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's cool. One of my um, really good friends, that's uh, like a, a my old boss and a big mentor to me. Um, he started this thing with his um, one of his really good friends, who's actually paralyzed also. And I've known both of them for like probably 15 years or so now. And I think he got he got hurt. Um, his name's Aaron Hill. That got injured, and then the the guy that the other partner in Moto Demption, Gonzalez, and he, uh, he was, they, he's like been riding for a long time uh, while paralyzed. So they've kind of just over the years, like made different versions of uh, different adaptive bikes and things that he can ride. And they kind of, they really turned it into like a big nonprofit um, kind of cool helping hand thing. So they started probably three, I think about three years ago, and they're all based in Denver, so they do a handful of camps in Colorado, and they invite athletes that have been injured and just basically giving them a chance to ride again. Um, and they have, like, full protocols with, like, the instructors that everyone has hand signals. There's one person in front, two people behind them, so if anyone falls, and um, it's definitely a really well-put-together deal. But, yeah, we... Last year, we tied in with the Caselli Foundation, um, and they do a ride day at Fox Raceway here every year. So last year, we tied it in here, and we invited, a, um, I think we had maybe three new athletes last year, and then there was probably four or five um, guys that had ridden before. And we got just got a bunch of them out to ride again, and it's really just about giving those guys the redemption to, like, ride again, which is where the, the name comes from. So it... Um, yeah, it's it's so rewarding and so awesome to see. Like, we always round up a good group of buddies to go help and be instructors in it. And like, it's um, it's yeah, it gets for, for sure pretty emotional. Um, last year, the the one kid that rode, his name's Anthony Pichon. He um, he's from the East Coast and he came out and rode. I think almost a year to the day of his injury, um, was from was the first time that he rode and. His parents were there last year, and his brother, and, like, seeing all of them see him ride again was pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's cool to get to um, to get to help them, and we're definitely going to continue. Like, they're continuing pushing, and we're going to keep doing some more stuff here in California. And there's uh, never, unfortunately, I guess, there's never a shortage of injured athletes that want to ride again. Like, I mean, most of us, it's all we know. So most of the circumstance like they still want to ride and be involved in it and i mean even this year i think it was like two two weeks ago probably um we this one kid that was there is uh like i don't i don't know um he's like a world champion sit ski guy like in the snow um he's from thousand oaks and he's ridden like grew up racing dirt bikes all his whole life and then got injured and like I think he rode a few months ago with them and then came out this weekend and, like, I think he's done sit-skiing. Like, he just wants to ride dirt bikes again. So it's kind of cool to see a lot of that stuff. And even this year, I mean, they had a world champion. Um, I don't know exactly what they call it, if it's um, adaptive surfer or 
something, but he was, um, he's an amputee and he's from North Wales and he was out here and him and his fiance are just traveling the world doing these surf competitions. And he found out about this and he was in Huntington beach winning a world championship surfing competition. And then like two days, two days later was riding a dirt bike for the first time. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool deal for sure. Very cool, man. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I had me in the fields just looking at your Instagram posts, you know, and then I, I, yeah. I looked at some of the riders that were mentioned and, and had a bit of a look at, at them and that sort of thing, you know. It's um, it's pretty great, man, how, how the sport um, gets around people when they've had an injury or when they've had struggles, isn't it? You know, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's wild. It's like, I mean, everyone's just a one big family so everyone's stoked yeah. to get to help and be involved in stuff and like yeah the last two years anyone that i've gotten to like come and help i'm like hey just come check it out ride with us like hang out and then right at the end of it everyone's like super appreciative and they're super stoked on it they're like count me in anytime you do this ever again so yeah it's really cool yeah 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 the old um saying i think it was um I think it was Steve McQueen, goes back to Steve McQueen, I think, was that motorcyclists are good people. And it still, still rings true, yeah. It, um, really cool, man. I love it. Love it. Um, so, Duke, we might just dig in a bit to your, um, how, you, how you got started, you know? So, a uh, little kid in Colorado. Um, what was your first bike and how did, how did you get the, you know, when did the bug bite? Yeah, I, um, my dad... He didn't grow up racing or riding, but he, he, I don't remember, I think it was before I was born or right when I was a kid, he was riding dirt bikes. Um, and I have a brother that's two and a half years older than me, so I don't remember any of this, but I think we came, uh, my, my parents grew up in Southern California, so we came out here, we were probably visiting family or doing something, but we came out here and went to Glen Helen, um, and I think I was probably three years old my brother was five and we watched some race might have been a, just a random practice day I don't even know what it was but um pretty much since then I think I've been riding um I'm sure shortly after that I got a JR50 like my brother got like a KTM senior 50 or something back in the day and then yeah yeah I think uh I maybe did one race or something in Colorado. Um, and I know my second race ever was at Glen Helen. And I had just broke my thumb, I think, diving into the couch to catch a football or something. <laughs> and, and we came out here, and I was planning on racing. Like, or my parents were planning on having me race. And I, uh, we actually cut my cast off on, like, the day before the race or something. I was supposed to get it off, like, that week or something. And I'm... Yeah. four years old or whatever so we cut the cast off and i raced uh yeah at glen helen for this was my second race ever on a jr50 that's that's so moto man that's like cutting the cast off for the peewee race and that's a great story i love that that's that's so moto parents you know you would have seen the yeah. meme the meme where i think it i think they're they're like ducks or chickens or something and and there's it's like normal parents and the little the little chicks got a, a saw wing or something, 
and they're then they're freaking out. They're just like moto parents, <laughs> and and the the legs snapped off, and they're going, oh, "You'll be right, <laughs> you know." Yeah. <laughs> Shake it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad's told me that my whole life. He's like, "If your if your arm falls off during the race, I'll go pick it up. Just don't quit." That's what he's always yeah, told yeah. me my whole my whole life. Just never quit. Like whatever. We'll go pick it up later. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it, yeah. And so then, yeah, just you, you want to just run us through a bit of, you know, your progression of, of the racing you did, you know, since then, I guess. Yeah, I mean, really it was a lot of stuff, um, a lot of stuff just around Colorado. Like, even still to this day, Colorado has one of the best local racing scenes in the whole country. Um, there's a few little pockets, like Texas is pretty good. Southern and Northern California are okay. The Pacific Northwest is good, but like Colorado has a good group of tracks, like right around within two, three hours of Denver. And there's a lot of guys that are privateer national dudes that come out of Colorado. And, um, but yeah, I mean, kind of just race locally for a long time. And then, um, I think probably when I got a little bit more serious, uh, my dad, my brother and I would go to texas or california or something in the winter when it was too cold to ride there um so we pretty much just did that most of my entire life growing up and i tried for loretta's and stuff and just like never something always happened every time either at an area or regional i would get hurt so i only went to loretta's once in my whole racing career or racing time i guess um what class, and, and what, I, what, what age were you at Loretta's? Uh, I was probably 13, and it was in the 250C class. And, like, I'd been yeah. on a big bike. I think I'd been on a a big bike off of an 80 for, like, six weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's 13, you would, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I maybe yeah. rode a 125 for, like, two weeks and then rode a 250F for four weeks and went to Loretta's on it. And, like, I got last the first moto and then got, like, mid-pack the second two motos, so... Yeah, I never really, never really did anything or worked out for any, like, amateur national kind of stuff, really. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, kind of just normal local stuff up until that point. And then, like, 2000, end of 2011 into 2012, I was um, doing a couple pro-am races, like, around the West Coast and stuff, trying to get my, um, my pro-am points. And I had gotten all of them. Um, we were on our way to Arizona, and we were trying to figure out if I had enough points or not from the last race or something. And the guy told us that I needed to, I don't know, do one more class with, like, one more race or something to get the points. And um, the last moto of that weekend, I hit false neutral on, like, a 110-foot triple step up and shattered both my ankles. Um, and then on the – I think on – I, I was in the hospital, obviously, and then, like, flew home and all that stuff and got a bunch of reconstructive surgeries and 48 screws later and all that stuff. But on my dad's way home, um, I don't remember if it was Canfield or someone from MX Sports called him. It was like, yeah, we'll give – he uh, earned his license. I'm like, well, I might not need it again. I might not ever walk again. So, um, but, yeah, and then kind of just – after I healed from that and kind of got back going, I, I think I, tr I tried for a couple nationals in like 13 and 14 um, and just wasn't even close. And then 
I made my first national at, um, in 2015 at, in Utah at Miller. And even that year, I, I broke my arm at Glen Helen, actually, in 2015. I broke my arm at the second round of the nationals. Um, and at whatever that was, six or eight weeks or something off. And I got cleared to do, I got cleared to hit jumps, um, the Wednesday before I left for the Miller national. Um, so I'd ridden maybe twice or something and then went out there and qualified. And then, um, yeah, I kind of just like, I was in Colorado still at that point. So I would just kind of do a couple of the local nationals like here and there. Um, would have felt pretty good to qualify for the first national you qualified. That would have felt pretty good, man, after, you know, um, you know, not not even having a successful Loretta's or anything like that as a youngster, you know, that's a that's a pretty big achievement to qualify for a national. Um, yeah, it's since, cool. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It was definitely a, a cool experience, especially, I mean, like, Miller was the weirdest track ever also, that one in Utah. Um, but, yeah, it was really cool to qualify, and, like, I'd, Every, I think every national I've ever ridden, I tell everyone that that was the roughest track I've ever raced. So I think it just, the bar just keeps moving. Um, but that track was super gnarly. So yeah, that was, that was a really cool deal, especially like, it's not like I'd been trying for a really long time. Like I think the, the two years before that, like 13 and 14, I maybe did two or three nationals. And like, now that I'm older and done a bunch and, kind of had some success I guess from them like I realized how much harder it is to do one in one of them in June and then the other one in August like you have zero barometer of kind of how to do it so it's definitely a lot easier to do a couple in a row um, at the at the level that I'm at of kind of on the bubble of qualifying a lot of the time so it's definitely, uh, yeah, it was a challenge those first couple of years. And even after that, like, I moved to the East Coast in 20, um, probably 2016, I think. I moved to the East Coast, and then it was a lot of the same. Like, the whole series started, and it was on the West Coast. And then by the time I came to the East Coast, and, like, I've always had a full-time job. So yeah. being able to take off time to either ride or go to the Nationals is somewhat challenging so i would just do a couple races sorry uh, a couple races every every summer really and then um now that i moved back to the west coast it's a little a little bit easier because like the first three or four rounds are typically here um so yeah i mean really that's probably since since 20 i guess mainly when i moved to the east coast like the only i just ride on the weekends when I can and then race a couple nationals a year. And that's like the only races I ever do. Yeah. Um, I turned, I'm turning 30 in like, I don't know, 16 days or something. And I've raced one vet race ever. Yeah. Like yeah. as soon as I turn 25, I just, all I do is a couple nationals a year. So I haven't, uh, I did amateur day at Redbud in the plus 25 class. And that's the only vet race I've ever done. And I'm almost, almost to the plus 30 class now, so. It's pretty amazing though, man. Yeah, you, you think about, do you ever think about when you, you know, obviously we'll talk about your job in a sec, you know, you've got a cool job and that, but um, 
you know, you you work in your day job and that. Do you ever just sort of think, like, you know, on the weekend, I was, you know, one of the four in the in one of the forty fastest guys in the country, in the world, just about, you know. Yeah. On that. Oh, yeah, just pretty... just on that's what I was that's what I was on Sunday. That's a, that's a pretty big thing, yeah. Even though guys guys that like yourself, you know, you don't get the TV coverage and all that sort of thing. But like, well, you know, imagine if you were the, you know, like I, most of your results. I did look. I can't remember, but you know, you were in the in the you know thirties. You know, say you got say you're thirtieth. So if you're the thirtieth best of any other. Um, professional sport, you know, or a lot of other professional sports. I wouldn't have like a job, I'll tell you It's that. a massive achievement, isn't it? It is a massive yeah. thing, you know, so. Yeah, it is um, pretty cool, like, especially here with what I'm doing now, like, for my job, I, I don't, I don't like telling my dealers and, like, other people, like, because, I mean, to me, I'm getting 30th and stuff, so it's, like, not a big yeah. deal, but to anyone else, it's a cool thing. It is so, like, as soon cool, as my yeah. dealers and, like, people out here started kind of realizing that I, what I do for work and racing, like, I'll be going into a shop on a Thursday right before the national and then, like, go back in on a, the next Tuesday or something, and they're like, why are you here? Like, I still have a job. I got to do what I got to do. Like, <laughs> the racing course yeah. is just kind of what I do for fun on some weekends in the summer, so... Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did um when you when you were um you know first on the uh on the weed show, I still remember it. Yeah, it was it was cool. You know, I love I love how organic the weed show is. You know, and I think you just you yelled out weed show or something like that, and as he does, he cruised over to talk to you and that sort of thing. Did you get a bit of traction out of that? Um, you know, as far as did you did that get sort of gain you any? Did it gain you any sponsors or did it gain you anything out of that? Once you, and then I think you're on a few times with Wage. Yeah, it's kind of just a little bit of uh, just kind of exposure, I guess, really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like it, it totally came up organically, which was funny. Like he just happened mm. to be walking by and, like, I've talked to him a bit here and there before, but, like, not enough that he would know who I am or anything, really. But, yeah, he was just walking by and I – yelled at him and uh he came over and talked and it was it was funny because that right then it was um i think that was the first national i did when i lived in california and, and worked for fox and like the company made like a not really a big deal about it but they like kind of every every week during the race season they send out like a line plan of what each guy is wearing for the weekend so like if anyone asks yeah. us we know what they're wearing and stuff and like they included me in that, and it went to the entire company and the whole world of Fox. Yeah. So, like, I get this email. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to qualify. And, like, <laughs> now every every single person that works for Fox in the entire world knows that I'm racing. So now all of them are looking. And I think there was some special, like, 70 or some special edition gear set that we made, like, 74 of for that race or something. And, like the marketing guys pulled some strings and like got me this special gear. And then like the weed show thing comes out and like all of my friends that from all over the country, from living everywhere, like all these guys start texting me. And then like, yeah, I, I was that Friday night. I'm like, I better fucking stop. You it before, man. Yeah, that's it. It's going to be <laughs> embarrassing. So I can't remember how you went that weekend, but how did you go? 
Um, I think it was, I don't know, like 27, 31 or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, like every single national I've ever raced. It was a struggle, but um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, I, I think I'd, I think I made it right out of practice. I don't even remember, so I didn't even have to go to the LCQ. So, but yeah, it was cool. Just kind of, yeah, I mean, the, that thing just kind of turned into uh, really just kind of a funny joke between like all the Racer X guys, and because uh, Jason Thomas was was hell bent that I like we worked it in. We're at Fox Raceway. He's talking to a Fox employee, yeah. and like, so it kind of like had some wheels and took off and got to uh i mean i kind of got got to know i knew Kiefer for a little bit before that just riding with him and then like got to know mathis and a lot of those other guys and yeah and all of that stuff so yeah it just kind of turned into a sort of a funny running joke for the most part but it's cool man it's cool you know like um you're a good example of the um the riders that you know you've got a good personality and you holler out at wage and and all that sort of thing you know um and it, and it benefits you somewhat. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a lesson a lot, like, to learn for young, for young ones, you know, so. Yeah, I, I have a, I had a handful of people that even still, they like come up to me at a race, like I'll be at Washougal or in Colorado or something. And they're like, oh, you're that guy from the weed show. <laughs> so, yeah, it's always funny. And like even people at dealerships that like, I would have no idea that they, watch it that heavily but i'll walk in and they're like oh yeah we saw you on the weed show last weekend and so yeah it's pretty funny just to it just keeps going too so yeah it's always a always a running joke cool at, at nationals man um did you yeah especially the first few did you ever um find yourself like freaking out a bit when you uh lined up um on the gate with some of the guys you're lined up with, you know, did you end up lining up, you know, obviously you, if you, you're not getting good gate picks, so you're probably a fair way away from the, the top riders. But did, yeah. did you ever find yourself close to one and be just like, what the fuck am I doing? You're like, yeah, this guy's just up there. Yeah. It's, I guess to the first part of that question, like, n no, I never really like pay attention to it because to me, like, the nerve wracking part for me and where I kind of like freak myself out is practice. Like it, yeah. m most of the time I'm in the B group. And even if I'm in the A group, like you'll maybe get, if you're going on a, like a decent pace and not doing like a ton of slow laps in a row, like you get passed by four or five of them and they're going so much faster. Like you don't even have time to process who they are. Um, and then, yeah, like you said on the gate, like, or I guess, but, to like through practice after that like i could care less after that like i'm just gonna go out there and try to survive for an hour and 10 minutes yeah um so yeah i mean by the time the race comes along like i'm not worried about it i'm more i'm probably more calm at a on a national gate than any other time really than pretty much everything um but yeah, you've already sort of there. achieved is that because you've already sort of achieved what you wanted from the day yeah, getting, like getting, I'm already, yeah, I'm already there, there yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to battle with them anyway, so like there's no point. Yeah. By the time I'm in the first turn, they're already through the second turn, so like I'm never, I'm, I only see them when I get lapped, so it's not, uh, yeah, not really even something I pay attention to, but the funny time is when like, it's not funny for them, but if they don't finish the first moto or crash out or something, and then they line up on the gate for second moto next to all of 
the degenerate privateers at the end. That's always funny because, like, they're all pissed off that they're there, and we're all stoked that we're even on the gate. So, like, a lot of the time we're all buddies, so we're all sitting there bullshitting and talking, and, like, the other two-thirds of the gate, like, no one's saying a word to each other because they're all serious and doing it for money. So, yeah, Yeah. it is is pretty funny with uh, when some of them happen to end up outside and they're out there with all the privateers. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I, I love it, man. Yeah, like talk, yeah, yeah, even just talking to you, at, um, you know, at, uh, at, I can sort of just, I can picture what you're saying, you know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, average Joe's like me, um, what what, uh, what what you've achieved is fucking amazing, you know, even though sometimes you guys don't feel like that, you know, compared yeah. to the, uh, the guys right up the front. Um, and so your job at Fox, man. Um, you want to just run us through a little bit about, um, yeah, look, obviously working for Fox is, that's, it's cool, man, like iconic brand, all that sort of thing. So how'd that come about and maybe a bit about what you did, you know, work-wise before that and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, a lot of it's sort of right place, right time and like a, a lot of who you know also. But yeah, I, like my first job ever, I was working at a dealership. Um, and I worked at a dealership for, I don't know, six or so years um, in Colorado and, like, worked at one, and I worked at another for a little bit, and then I started helping out um, the guy that runs Moto Demption now. And I was running – I worked for Spy, or we – the agency represented, like, Spy and Stance and a couple other brands in the snow industry and stuff, and I was running the motorsports segment for him while he was doing, like, snow and optical and stuff, so – I did that for probably three or four years, and then um, I just happened to, like, one day just kind of looking for the next thing, and I saw there was a Fox job open on the East Coast, and I obviously knew the Fox rep there at the time from um, he worked at the shop that I worked at before he did Fox, and then so I had asked him and uh, the manager at the time if I should go for it, and they kind of, like, steered me in the right direction on sort of what to do and how to go about it. And then, yeah, it was funny because the, uh, my soon to be boss, I guess at the time he actually flew to the Colorado national. Um, and I met him on Friday in between track walk and tech inspection. Um, I met him at some Mexican restaurant down the street from the track. And that was like my interview. Yeah. So that was like, we already in Fox, we were in Fox here that weekend. Yeah, I was wearing, I was already wearing all the Fox and Shift stuff yeah. and everything, so yeah. it was uh, a little easier of a transition for sure. But, yeah, I was just thinking if, you, if you'd been running a different brand, you would have been scrambling to get some Fox gear because these guys yeah, for sure. Sure. <laughs> But yeah, so like I, uh, we had an interview on, interview on Friday and um, that was one of the next first nationals I think I made that year. Um, so yeah, I qualified for that and like did that one and then that next Monday, um, he called me and said, we're going to give you the job. We want you there ready to work in two weeks. And I think I was maybe 22 at the time or something like that, 23. And uh, I never lived more than five minutes from my parents and mm-hmm. like family and everyone I know. And I'd never even been to the East Coast at the time. So I uh, found a house on Craigslist, packed all my shit up and drove to South Carolina and my parents came out there, moved me in, and then hopped on a plane and went back. And and then um, 
Yeah, I was there for probably through. Uh, I think I was there for about four years on the East Coast, just doing the same job I'm doing, but out there. And um, I did that for a little bit, and then um, I went to... Um, Pretty good little moto scene out in our little, not even little, it's a good moto scene over there as well, too, so... For sure. Yeah, I was uh, yeah. close to the club, and at the time, JGR was up there, and uh, there, yeah, there was a good good group of dudes all out there. And I mean, it's even bigger now um, mm. with all the guys in North Carolina and South Carolina and stuff. So yeah, it was a good little area for sure. I loved it out there. It was super cool and a very slow pace of life for sure. So it was pretty cool to um, just experience something different really from like growing yeah. up in Colorado my whole life. And I knew how to get anywhere and go anywhere and figure it all out. And then I moved to the East coast by myself and, didn't know a single person. My boss lived in Massachusetts, so, like, he wasn't around, so I just kind of had to figure it all out, and I definitely uh, grew up real quick, which was uh, a good, in hindsight, like, looking back at it, it was awesome, and, um, but, yeah, I did that for a couple years, um, and then I, I actually left and went to Alpine Star and was doing that deal for um, about two years, and that was just, it was really cool because it was a lot of travel, and, like, I got to go everywhere i went to pretty much every race to tracks i've never been to or i got to go to moto gp and moto america stuff and go to all these dealers and different places in the country that i've never even been to so now i've been damn near everywhere in the country pretty much so but yeah then they they ended up moving me out to california um and i was still doing the same job but i came out out to california and then um couple months or so maybe a year after that i um had heard kind of through the grapevine that something was changing with some of the um people down in in my area with fox and i uh made some calls kind of figured out what was going on and then next thing you know i got hired back and and uh yeah it's definitely obviously southern california is kind of like the hotbed for motocross so it was uh one of those rep jobs that I think a lot of the reps in the entire country kind of strive for something in this area. So yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's kind of right place, right time. One of those kind of deals. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically, it's a, you're, you're a rep. So you go, you know, so what's your week look like? You know, mostly like, you know, store visits and that sort of thing is, you know, just your traditional, traditional rep job. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we um, yeah, just go into dealers and help with whatever, really whatever, yeah. whatever's needed um, between ordering, returns, merchandising, like training, kind of all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely fortunate with my territory. I have one of the smaller, driving-wise, I have one of the smaller territories in the country. Um, but I also cover Hawaii and Guam. So okay. that's pretty rad well, that's, to be able to. That's pretty cool. I don't visit yeah. Guam often, but I get to go to Hawaii a couple times a year. So, um, yeah, it's cool to get to go out there. And I've never been either. So mm. now I go two or three times a year most of the time. So it's, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You just kind of a lot of email, phone call, all that kind of stuff all the time. But a lot of driving, that's for sure. Yeah, dude, I don't even know where Guam is. The only reason I even know of Guam is because of the um, the uh, 
when uh, Kaker and, and Doc Dubach throw it for Guam. Oh, yeah. And, and it's actually, That's the only reason I even know about Guam. So, it's way closer it, to you than it is to me, I'll tell you that. Is it really? Okay. I think it's, yeah. like, on a map, it's in between Japan and Australia. Okay. Yeah, geez. So, yeah. It's obviously it's a, it's obviously it's a U.S. territory, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. After yeah, the show, I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> so you fly to Guam sometimes? No, I don't go over there, but I no, do you go don't to Hawaii. Yeah, you got to just go to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, the cost to get there is so yeah. far outside of the norm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Wow, huh? I'll have to find out about it. <laughs> That's all right. Do you have any sort of involvement with the um the um any of the pro riders, the pro riders with Fox and that sort of thing? Do you have any involvement with that side of things? No, not on not on like a work side. I obviously know I know some of them and I'm friends with some of them, but yeah. On a yeah, on a work side no, we have a we have a full team of guys that do all of that between like the like product Kenny, guys. Kenny Dudley and, and those sort of guys. Yeah, and, yeah. Kenny was, I actually lived with Kenny for the last three years. Um, him and I were both at Alpine Star and then we both left and went to Fox. Yeah. So yeah, I was not involved in all of it, but I was involved because it was inside of our house. So I always yeah. saw all of that and was kind of just a fly on the wall for a lot of that stuff. But, but yeah, I don't do any of that stuff. Day to day is that right something thing. you'd like to do? Um, initially, I did. Um, actually, yeah. when I was when I was initially leaving Fox, um, that was something I thought I wanted to do, uh, and then it just kind of didn't work out for certain reasons. And then uh, now that I'm at where I'm at, I'm I'm super stoked with what I'm doing. So it definitely yeah. looks. It is a very cool job. It's very like fun and cool, and you get to travel and go all these places and deal with all this stuff. But like, with the travel part of it, is what I don't want to do. I like that I'm home every night and close yeah. to home all the time, especially like this time of year and even like into the end of the season. Like Kenny was in Paris and then goes to Florida every couple of weeks to do testing stuff. So yeah, I don't I don't envy the part of the travel that he has to do. But the job-wise, his his um, can be a little bit more exciting than spreadsheets and selling gloves and stuff for sure. Yeah, I guess the job like what Kenny does, it's it's um it's like everything. It's like mechanic jobs, you know, the truck driver jobs, you know, all that sort of things. Like, you know, it, um, I mean, it's they're all super cool. But geez, a hell of hell of a grind keeping up with the. You know, yeah. with the series and you know, and all the events all year, and there's the, they keep adding more of them, not less of them. So yeah, so, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they always they always have to go to some extent. Some fox riders at the designation, so someone has to go to yeah. that. Someone will go to off season stuff, and yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't. I mean, he, especially Kenny, like he's got to be one of the top uh, Delta customers in in the country for sure. So he definitely, uh, anytime I've flown to a race or flown back from a race with them, he's always at the front of the plane and I'm always at the back. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Definitely. A, um, 
I don't, I don't know if, if if Kenny's married or single or what, but yeah, that's a um, it's a it's. I think a lot of those jobs are a good single man's job. So for sure, yeah, yeah. especially like even more so the one that when I was doing it with Alpine Star, like it was a lot of during the week travel and weekend event travel. So there was a lot of times where I was definitely single at that point. Um, I was gone. I'd be gone six weeks at a time. Um, so yeah. now like being engaged and living together and all of that, like, I don't think that job would go over very well anymore. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. It'd take a special sort of woman to tolerate that, wouldn't it? You know, that's all. Yeah. You don't see, you don't see too many married um, guys doing those sort of jobs. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. What's the plans for your racing uh, this year? Or is there? Any? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm going to do kind of a little bit of the same. Uh, yeah. Just do probably the first. I'll probably do the first three rounds, and Washougal. Just all the stuff on the West Coast. So it starts yeah. here in Southern California, and then goes to Hangtown, and then Colorado. So it's always nice to. Um, this one's easy because it's attracts 40 minutes from my house. Um, yeah. And then Hangtown's always fun just because I have a lot of buddies up in NorCal, so it's nice to get to see a bunch of people. And that track's pretty fun. I know most people hate it but it's a pretty fun track and then colorado is always easy because it's i mean it's a 15-hour drive but my family still lives there so i get to stay with them and see them because i don't get to go out there all that often other than some holidays and stuff so it's nice to get out and see all of them and friends and everyone that i grew up with so that one's always a nice one to hit i missed it this year because i uh i got hurt at hangtown so i didn't get to go to colorado but yeah, that's kind of the plan. I've been. Um, yeah, what did you do at Hangtown? I um I can't remember. You you broke something, yeah? Um, I ended up. I kind of a laundry list of everything, honestly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had two two really big crashes, and like the main reason was I uh, I sucked at the first round here at Fox Raceway. Um, so I went to Hangtown and like was just riding way too hard because I didn't do good the weekend before. Yeah. Um, and I crashed in the first practice, I think. Um, pretty big and hurt like both shoulders and hit my head. And then um, the second or in uh, the LCQ, I crashed on the start. And if you know that start, like right through the um, right through like the whole shot line. Yeah, pretty much going as about as fast as a 450 can go, and yeah, the the one dude that fell fell right in front of me, and I just hit him and just went 30 feet or so, and um, I think I ended up like bruising, and I did some rib stuff and some shoulder stuff, so yeah. I was not about to drive uh, 15 hours to just struggle again in Colorado at altitude, also. <laughs> Do you find when you go back to Colorado, the altitude um, affects you because you grew up oh, there? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it still does, even though you, yeah, even though you grew up there. So you sort of lose, yeah. you lose it, I, I normally, guess. Yeah, I normally like kind of get back used to it. It only takes like a day, maybe. Uh, yeah. But even if I like, if I go home, like we're going home for Christmas next weekend, the first couple times I like walk up the stairs at my parents' house, I'm like, oh. I need to sit down for a second. Yeah, I think it it takes a little bit to like remember that you 
need to breathe more, I guess. Um, But yeah, it's typically, especially like with nationals and stuff, you'll usually get there on like Thursday night or Friday morning. So you have a full day of like setting up and working on the bike and walking the track and stuff to kind of get used to it. So by by the time Saturday comes around, it's not, it's not very noticeable. Um, but yeah, it was always, it was always crazy living there and you didn't even notice it. So then going to sea level and your bike's way faster and you can breathe easy. And it's, uh, definitely a big difference. I guess it's a big difference either direction, but yeah. 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 It's one of those things that, yeah, Aussies, you know, we, we can't sort of imagine it. We don't have a lot of elevation and, and, and what, what we do, wherever it, we do have elevation, it's all, um, it's all uh, bush, you know, mountain ranges of bush, national parks, that sort of thing. There's no sort of, there's no high cities. There's no, there's no whole states that are high, high up. Yeah. So, you know, you might trail ride to some elevation, um, you know, over just a couple of hours um, in the mountains, but yeah, you're not um, setting up to race at elevation like anywhere at yeah. all. So, yeah, it's, um, it's something that we only sort of, um, you know, hear about, um, yeah, particularly from, Thunder Valley, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Is there any tracks that you'd like to sort of, um, one, like one day would you like to get over and do a red bud or something like that? Is there any sort of dreams like that? Um, I, honestly, I think I've raced, out of the current schedule, I think I've raced everything but Southwick. Okay, oh, so you have done a red bud? Yeah, I, I, yep. I haven't qualified for Redbud, yeah. but I've tried Redbud a couple times. Yes. I did uh, Butts Creek. I've done High Point. I've done Unadilla once. Um, I've done Millville. So I think I've done everything but Southwick. And honestly, yeah. I don't have any desire to do Southwick either. You're not down. You're not down for that sand. No, no I'm. Uh, I haven't ridden much sand in my life. Um, yeah. And that track just looks brutal. So. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll stick to the West Coast stuff. Cool. What's your favorite track of all the ones you've ridden in? Um, definitely, I think Washougal. Washougal is a lot of fun. I think that's, I tell people this all the time, but I think that's the only time I've ever raced a national. And, like, during the race, I'm like, shit, this is fun. Like, most of the time, you're just dying and trying to survive. Survival. yeah. Yeah, you're just trying not to crash or something, and, like, it's, super gnarly and rough and and i think that's probably why washu was actually fun it's because it's not terribly rough but yeah um yeah just going through the trees and up the hills and it's very similar dirt to southern california and colorado and stuff so it just feels yeah. normal um a lot of the other ones like especially the east coast stuff like it just feels very foreign to what i'm used to riding and even even when i lived on the east coast like it's so different on a national day so yeah i think I think uh, Washougal's got to be the one. That one's my favorite. Just I think a lot of it is the jumps too. Like there's no, a lot of the nationals like they everything's super peaky and it's really scary, especially like yeah. 30, 30 minutes into a moto and the second moto when it's in the middle of the summer. So I think Washougal's nice because yeah, you get you feel a little bit feel a little bit weak and yeah yeah it's, and you still got to hit that stuff when you're, yeah. Yeah, you're trying to stay out of getting lapped at that point and trying to pass people or do whatever, and you got two laps to go, and you're you got to hit a 120 foot jump that's all rutted and gnarly on the downside. Like, 
those ones are never really that much fun. Yeah. Especially like, I mean, Iron Man's always like that. There's a bunch of huge jumps and the track's super gnarly. And so it's scary the entire time. But um, yeah. yeah, I think that's why a good amount of people, I think, like Washougal because it's a little bit more mellow, like a little more laid back. It's later in the season. Um, the weather's nice. The views are cool. Like it's just a super rad area. So I think overall, like, track included and just where you are it's a really really awesome race to go to for sure yeah it's always uh, one of my favorites to watch it's, and i think it just comes down to it's just a cool looking place you know yeah um a lot of history there as well and just yeah it um and it's also you know it's sort of you know um it's the only track that's sort of in that it's the only time they, that the series goes that way you know Goes northwest. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the the one trip. I know a lot of the yeah. You hear a lot of privateers um, uh, get the shits up about what you feel and the timing of it because it's such a big travel for them. Um, yeah, in the schedule, it's so far from everything else. But but yeah, it's uh, it, I guess that's just something they've got to deal with because it's, it's it's never going anywhere, is it? It's such a cool place. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the way. Is there any other sort of racing that you'd like to do, man? Like, um, would you like to? Oh, you've done you've done Baja before. Is it so? Is there you know obviously desert racing? Is there anything else you know off road things, rally things, anything like that that you'd like to do in the future? Um, that's a good question. Actually, I don't. I don't think so. I think no. like doing the Bajas races made me not want to do that ever again um, so it scratched that itch a bit maybe and yeah yeah i kind of got that out of the way yeah um i mean the like hard enduro stuff looks awesome but i'm no not talented enough on a motorcycle to do that um i've done some like trail riding especially like i've done some stuff in hawaii and it's so much gnarlier than the guys that like Manny and Billy Bolt and those guys make it look so yeah. um, that stuff looks cool I don't want to try it um, <laughs> yeah that's about it good to watch yeah. yeah I mean I think like something like a GNCC or something sounds fun I don't I'm not a big fan of a lot of the like desert and hare and hound and work stuff out here just because it's so fast and there's rocks and like the margin for error is tiny uh, mm. when you're going that fast so I think some of the like yeah. East Coast off-road stuff would be a little bit more fun just because it's slower and I know there's still trees and rocks and it's hot and all that stuff, but um, going like 40 through a section sounds better yeah. to me than going like 70. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the risk, you know, you know, as you get older and that sort of thing, yeah, the risk um, risk versus reward, I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah. And then yeah. like desert, yeah, yeah, the that something goes wrong in a desert race, man. <laughs> it's like it's, it's a matter of how many bones you break and not 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 how uh, you get up. Whereas for sure, yeah, yeah. GNCC, you bounce off a clip a couple of trees in the GNCC, and yeah, good chance you just get up, sore and bruised, and that. But you're probably going to get up. And, yeah. 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 So no, I um I definitely um definitely hear you there, man. Yeah. Cool. I've got a couple of, uh, a few other, oh, just before I move on to some of my um, other sort of random questions, man, is there anything you want to share about what Fox is up to or anything like that? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest, kind of the biggest thing for us is we just launched a new helmet, um, or two new helmets on the high-end side. Uh, that's like Kenny and Adam were wearing a little bit through the end of the outdoors, but um, primarily most of the guys, pretty much everyone's in it now. But, yeah, we have a really cool new um, high-end helmet, the V3RS. That's a full carbon composite shell and has the newest, uh, the newest version of MIPS in it. Uh, called MIPS Integra Split, and it's yes. a, a really badass helmet, and, like, it's priced really well also, but one of the cooler things is, like, all the stuff that it comes with. It comes with, like, a sun visor extension, a full mud visor extension with foam. It comes with a hydration tube mouthpiece. It comes with a thicker and thinner cheek pad and, like, a bunch of these accessories that no other brand, like, I mean, I guess even us up until now, like, no one even offers them. Like, you can't even buy them from people. Uh, so it's pretty cool that we have this new helmet that's on, like, the top end of the safety spectrum. But it comes with a bunch of stuff that you can't even buy from everyone else. So that's been a really cool um, product for us. And it, it came out in, I think, the end of October. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a couple months in the in market. But, it's uh, yeah, it's been a really really awesome new product for us for sure one of the it always sounds biased coming from me but it is yeah. definitely one of the best best helmets i've worn ever yeah dude the um what you're saying like it the uh a mud visor and and different size cheek pads like man it sounds now that i hear that it was like i'm amazed like we didn't always have it you know because it's such good yeah. ideas you know um you know the old um you know, how many yeah, how many moto dads out there perfected the art of put, you know putting the putting the foam on the visors and taping an extra yeah. lens on the end of them and all yeah. that you know all that exactly, sort of thing. Yeah. Got that down. Each dad's got it down to a fine art of how to, how they've, they've done that and that sort of thing. And then the cheek pads man is often what what will put a person off a helmet, you know. Um, especially if you're a bit of a bit of a fat-headed guy like me, like you put on a helmet and you you're all you know smushed up like this and and that sort of thing. So yeah, it um it makes um makes heaps of sense there. Yeah, yeah, cool. So Kenny and Adam are already wearing them, you say. So you'll probably see a lot of the guys wearing them this year. Yeah, they started uh, they started like I don't know maybe midway through outdoors or towards the end of outdoors, and then um, yeah, I know like. They're pretty much in it. Everyone's pretty much in it now. Um, Shimoto's wearing it, and um, Craig is in it, and then a bunch of the amateur guys and uh, any of the European guys that are uh, Fox helmets, or Fox gear and helmets are uh, also wearing it too. So, yeah, it's definitely out there. Um, pretty much, yeah, pretty much anyone that's a uh, sponsored Fox athlete is wearing yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Cool, that's good, man. That's good. Um, right, I got some got some uh, random questions here for you. Um, let me think. Which one will we go for? What skill? What skill would you love to have? So, it, so you say you got to swap swap a current skill for something that you love to have. Like, for instance, I'll, I'd swap one of my current skills to be able to shred a guitar. You know. Is 
probably something along the lines to make me actually good at golf. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think there's enough money in the sport of golf that even if you're like the 200th best player in the world, uh, yeah, you can man. definitely make yeah. a lot of money. So and I would say golf. Like I'm not terrible at golf, but I'm not good either. So yeah, I think I'd I'd swap some some skill for golf. Cool, man. So you're obviously a keen golfer then. So is that sort of your thing? Is that your sort of um, thing that you get uh, get the most enjoyment of that's that's not to do with dirt bikes? Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, kind of about it as far as hobbies, like, that are not dirt bike related. Like, I ride bicycles and, and yeah. work out and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, golf yeah. would be the, the main thing that, like, is not involved in any of that. Yeah. Uh, just kind of getting out, getting away, having a few beers or something and uh, just playing with the boys. And that's definitely, uh, yeah, definitely kind of the escape from from work and racing and all that kind of stuff. Cool, cool, cool. That's the guy. That's the guy. And you, are you a music guy? Do you, you're into music? Uh, well, you've got yeah. in the background. That, makes, that probably answers the question. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's a trophy, not a... Oh, not yeah, a playing okay, yeah. guitar, it's, it's yeah, a trophy, yeah. but um, yeah, I definitely enjoy music. Um, I'm not musically inclined by any means, yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely uh, enjoy music. It's one of the things, like, pretty much at, <clears throat> at all times, especially even with my fiance, like, pretty much at all times, there's music playing. It's either a podcast yeah. or music. Like, with the amount that I drive, I have to listen to podcasts because there's not enough music in the world. Not enough songs, yeah. Yeah, yeah a couple of bit the same, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. But, uh, but yeah, like, even cooking dinner or working on bikes in the garage mm. or whatever, like, there's always music playing. Um, something, either punk rock or alternative or country or whatever. Yeah. Kind of something at all times, for sure. What's your What's your favorite album? What's the old question of, you know, you've got one album to listen to for the rest of your life. What What's that album? Um, I'd have to say there's a Orange County, Orange County band called Movements. Um, and they, they have an album called Feel Something that was, I think it just came out right when I found the band. Um, and then they didn't have another album for like three or four years. So I pretty much only listened to that for three or four years. So what what sort of, what genre, what genre is that? Um, it's like punk rock alternative um that kind of vein of music but yeah i think i pretty much listened to that exclusively for probably three years so i think i could keep doing that for the rest of the time cool 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 love it a lot of lot of punk rock fans in in the industry goes hand in hand a bit does it a lot lot of the younger guys yeah you're young but they even younger guys it seems like a lot of rap uh, a lot of modern rap is pretty, uh, yeah, is pretty, pretty right up there. Um, when, when you're a little guy, when you're a little kind, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I would have to say probably a professional motocross rider. Yeah, um, yeah. The fact that I'm still doing it and gone this far with it, but um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's pretty much the only thing I've when I was young, the the only thing I wanted to do, and probably the only thing I was good at also. 
Yeah. And once you and then then like I, I often always make the joke of my, my my life and my history, like I've done so many different things, you know. I lose count, but I always say I still don't know what I am forty seven, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Is that is that like for you is there you know, what's your future goals? Yeah, you know, what are you what are you still, you know, what what do you want to be when you grow up still? Grow up more. I think, yeah, I mean, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like, I mean, thankfully I have a, I'm in a good career position um, that a lot of, a lot of guys stay in, in a role like this for 20 something years. So, um, yeah, I think like financially and, and like career wise, I could be where I'm at. Um, Obviously there's always a, always the goal to move up the ladder and do something more do something more with that but yeah I think um I don't know that I ever would have thought when I was 16 or whatever starting at the motorcycle dealership that I would care as much as I do about a sales job but um Mm. I think it's one of those kind of deals like I've found it or it found me or whatever and I'm I'm good at it and there's actual money in it um so yeah I think that's kind of something just along the veins of along the vein of like what I am doing I don't really see much uh change or anything happening I guess you could put it that way yeah cool what does your fiance what oh, what's what's your fiance's name uh Lisa Lisa what does Lisa do she's a data analyst which is yeah. like the opposite of what I, I mean, I obviously have to look at a bunch of numbers and spreadsheets and stuff, but I, that's like the worst part of my job. Um, and that's her yeah. entire job. Yeah. So I don't know how she does it, but she loves it. And, uh, yeah, she gets to work from home. So she works oh, yeah, remote cool. and gets yeah. to hang out with a dog all the time and yeah. do stuff around the house and kind of is a little bit on her own schedule just cause she's at home. Um, so yeah, she can kind of do all of that kind of stuff when I'm, gone from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. or something like that she gets to sit here so I'm a little envious of that sometimes for sure but but yeah the uh the data and pricing and excel spreadsheets I'm uh I'm not envious of that for her for sure nah nah neither would I be man nah the little bit of paperwork I have to do drives me insane yeah 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 that's it no worries man and um We'll give you. We'll go. We'll go one more. Um, who's your celebrity hall pass, man? So if Lisa gave you a hall pass, who's your celebrity hall pass? Oh, that's a good one. I, I hope <laughs> she doesn't listen to this because I'm going to hear about it for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to get you in trouble. Yeah, I'd. Uh, it's all hot I'd have to say Margot Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I should. I should have called the prediction. Because I, I reckon so many guys that I asked that the um anyone anyone that sort of you know about your age, yeah, I, I would have tipped Margot Robbie. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I can't argue. You know, she's too young to me. I'd probably be more interested in her mum. But the um, but yeah, she's she's uh, Margot. She's a, a hell of a looker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. remember her on, on Aussie TV when she was young. She was probably on one of the shows I didn't watch, but one of the, yeah. one, one of the crappy, you know, um, um, 
yeah, drama series, Aussie drama series that I yeah that I never watched. I would have been out riding my motorbike when they were on in the afternoon. Yeah. But yeah, I only really knew of her when she hit it big time in the states. So, but yeah, she's pretty pretty cool chick too. When you see her on interviews and that, like she's pretty. She hasn't lost her Aussiness. That's just all. She's very sort of yeah. down to earth, very cruisy sort of um, sort of attitude, man. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, for doing this. Now, um, give us your best Aussie accent. Oh, I don't. I don't know. The only Aussie accent I have is uh, with a lot of profanity in it. Uh, that's all right, man. You can go with that. Yeah, there's I guess, no. I guess the the C word for you guys is like normal, so. Yeah, that's what me and my best mates would call each other that, yeah. Yeah, I have a, a bunch of buddies from South Africa and stuff, so it's uh, it's not as common for them, but we all yeah. they just have pretty much Australian accents anyway, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Shit, now I'm on the spot. I can't even think about how to do it. Oh, fucking A right, cunt. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're not too bad. You're not too bad. You're Canadian in there, too. Yeah, not, you're not, yeah, not the best, but definitely not the worst, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a, it, is a, it seems to be a hard, uh, always is a hard one for, uh, for Americans to do. I can't remember someone... Someone on a fairly recent show did a really bloody good job of it. I can't remember which one of the guys that was, but yeah, it's usually hard to this job. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, one of, one of my American mates, that, he, he suggested that for the show, and it's good. Um, shout out to, uh, shout out to my mate, Brady Rigid. He, he, uh, he uh, came up with that one, so yeah, that's been a fun thing to do. Cool, man, cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we uh, wrap up? I guess, uh, one thing, because you brought up the vault earlier, I might yeah. need to um, I might need to write a pre- uh, petition into uh, Davy Coombs, because I saw the other day, like last week or something, they changed the points rule. Yeah. And they're paying they're paying points in outdoor motos up to twenty first now. Okay, and I have yeah. one I have one moto that I've gotten twenty first, and I didn't oh. get a point because they didn't pay them. So I might have to write a petition to uh, Davy Coombs and see if they can retro retroactively paid points for previous seasons. Yeah. You've got to weigh that up, though, man, too, because that can screw up your... Um, that can screw up your Loretta's... You're going back to Loretta's, what classes you can enter. So, yeah. So I remember, I think, oh, how does that work? Because that's what screwed Kiefer. Kiefer's got one point. And yeah, it screwed him yeah, from... I have no idea. I don't know how the yeah. Loretta stuff works. It it changes every year. It seems like like one year yeah. if you've made a national, one year it's if you've earned points. But I yeah. think on my uh, list of accomplishments, I would rather you'd have like a to have a point. point. Yeah, I'd rather yeah, have a national yeah. point than go to Loretta's in a plus thirty class or something. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I that, might um, I might send Davy a message on Instagram if, right now and see if they can uh, retroactive pay yeah. some of those points. Yeah, get stuck into it. Yeah, you better get uh, get that get a uh, get get a um get a social um you know get a social campaign get a social campaign going to get uh, yeah get Connor Olsen's point. I need to get Weege involved. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, man, you know Weege, he's the he's the voice of the sport, so you'll be able to get yeah. uh, get yeah, that. Yeah, maybe I'll do it on Twitter instead of a message on Instagram. I'll let ever I'll let the world see it that I'm asking for it and see if uh, yeah. Davey responds. Yeah, well, Weege has probably got the office next door, you know, so. Probably. That, uh, that, that'd be the go. 
Cool, man. Excellent. Now, um, you probably haven't watched any episodes before, but I'll wrap up the show with a little bit of a sing-along. There is no um, expectations to, to do it. <laughs> but, um, it's just a funny fucking weird thing. There's a bit of a story to it. But um, do you know the chorus to Kenny Rogers, The Gambler? I don't. Not off the top of my head, but maybe if I hear it. Man, I'll just I'll just uh, set off, and if you want to join in, you just fucking jump on in. So I'll just do a little little bit of the gambler to, to uh, finish the show. Sounds good. So I, so I handed him my bottle, and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bummed a cigarette and asked me for a light. And then I got deathly quiet, and his face lost all expression. Said, if you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Cheers, man. Thank you very much, Connor, for coming on the show. And thank you to anybody who's listened. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers, man.